Dancing in the party for show. Slip my girl a 44 when she crept in the back door. Chickens looking at me strange, but you know I don't care. Step up in the smother. Just a swank in my head. Trick, quick talking, crip walk if you down with the set. Take a bullet with some grip and take the smoke on this jet. Out of town, put it down for the father of rap. And if you happen to get cracked, trick, shut your trap. Come back, get back. That's the part of success. If you believe in the S, you be relieving your stress. Scattered showers, the weatherman promised that, but I'm still looking out for it. Yes, and I was keeping us cool, well, trying to keep us cool at the moment, because, you know, Axe Body Spray apparently isn't, isn't cutting it for both of us. Oh, well, but, you know. Yeah, this is our official West Coast edition of Bears, Beats, and Bailey. West side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last night. So it's still fresh in my head. I'm still kind of thinking about what happened, trying to put pieces together and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, from Dr. Dre, the third, yeah, third and final album from, from Dr. Dre came out uh, early last week or the week before, if I'm not mistaken, but it's out there. Yes, ladies and, and gents, there's a new Dr. Dre album out there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's the, the long-awaited biopic of uh, NWA. That's the group that Dr. Dre started from. Um, we waited for this for a long while, so, you know, the question is, did it live up to the hype or not? I think, it was, well, I, I didn't see it last year. I saw the Red Band trailer earlier this year, and I was, I was blown away by it. Yeah, we sign off with, with True Detective Season 2. in episode uh, four because it was a eight episode run uh, similar to, to this season here was a eight episode run as well too but in episode four there's a particular scene very impressive very awesome uh, I think it runs for about six minutes near the end where uh, Match McConaughey and yeah Match McConaughey because Woody Harrison is involved 
and it's more like a like a crackdown on these uh these uh not drug dealers but i think they're just dealing guns and the camera just literally follows him from outside to you know yeah Yeah, and, and it was very impressive for, for, for a TV show as well, too. You know, real groundbreaker. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, probably a warp stabilizer they use or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting on premieres. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, same, same here as well too. Loved it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Dallas Buyers Club when he won the Academy Award for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it was another great show uh, for for HBO as well. It was something new. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a, a Game of Thrones. It wasn't a Boardwalk Empire, and it didn't have that length. That um. The epi- sorry, not the episode. The the actual season was rather short, so you know it's really trying to to reel in the, the 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 audience, trying to keep them hooked from start to end. And literally, this is a binge-worthy series. If you haven't seen episode one, like you can literally watch the show from episode one to episode eight. It'll take you roughly eight hours because each episode is about an hour long. But trust me, it feels like one long film. Arc flows from from the beginning to end, and it all works. So. Arguably one one of the best TV shows that came out in a long while. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it or heard about it in, 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 in TV, period. Mm-hmm. Battleship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Risha McAdams. Yeah, it's 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 way more more dense. There's a lot of details in between. A lot of stuff that you know, if you're not focusing, if you're not listening to what the characters are saying, because it's really heavy on dialogue. Then you'll skip out. You will you, you'll, you'll you'll get lost very very quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of deep dark secrets that they have as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it belongs to uh, the city manager. Well, alright. Well, well, the story basically is set in um in in California, in Los Angeles, and uh, the city manager by the name of Ben Casper is well. He's he's been like he was reported missing, and Colin finds out about it. He's trying to investigate it as well. Uh, Risha McAdams is uh, doing something else on his side too. She's trying to bring down um, some criminals as well, and she runs into her sister who just so happens to be a prostitute. And she's trying to kind of bring her back into the fold, trying to get her away from that life. Um, Taylor is trying to deal with the fact that uh, like he has a girlfriend who's about to, who's pregnant, but at the same time he's trying to he's he's uh, keeping this sort of secret away from her and stuff, right? Yeah. But anyway, but uh, yeah. Yes. think so i think it, it just started more focus on the the actual plot of what's going on what they you know who who, who killed uh, ben casper now yeah it does it does it does yeah Yeah, well, that, that was like way back when, though. But still, he did he did make some bad career choices. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, well, my my opinion on you on the well, I agree mostly with, with what you said. Um, well, in terms of like Vince Vaughn's character, uh, he he plays Frank. He's a he's a casino um, he's a casino owner, and formerly he was like a, a criminal back in the days, and he more or less tried to leave that past behind and you know try to to do this legit business. Yeah, and um, what happens is that right after Ben Casper is found dead by Taylor Kitsch's character, and he realized that a lot of other businessmen have been like screwing around with this business for the past few years, he just starts to go in this kind of methodical like path of revenge. So he's going up to certain people with his goons, and he's like really interrogating them and torturing them and stuff. And the funny thing is, like you know, you're watching this character being this real tough guy, this badass. It's like yo, this is Vince Vaughn. This is a guy who started alongside. Owen Wilson wedding crushes. He's like the most harmless guy in the world because he's doing, you know. Well, yeah, that's true. Like in the early nineties, right? Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long while, but yeah, old school is fun. Yeah. Yeah. next thing to uh, the tone of, of, of the story is a lot different well similar to the first season but a lot different here um, instead of that southern gothic style that you got with the first season this one they more or less utilize neo-noir and uh, I mean Los Angeles basically where noir films of the 40s and 50s were, were based in so like the perfect home for this this style of, of, um, of storytelling um, also as well to uh, it well yeah. Yeah, it, it, it reminded me. Yeah, it reminded me more of a of a David Lynch film. Um, David Lynch, for those who, who haven't who do who, for those who haven't who never heard the name before, a uh, really iconic director. He's responsible for like a lot of existential, a lot of bizarre kind of weird films, really artsy stuff. Um, one film. In particular, and the TV series that he did, well, the TV series being Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, what was it again? Just uh, oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 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 right. well. Without spoiling that scene, what we're referring to is like certain scenes where like it's a certain setting it's a um um it's dark a lot of shadows and characters are there doing things and you're not really sure why the characters are doing what they're doing they just seem to be in their own different world in their own different planet and they're just like kind of talking weirdly a lot of um dialogue going on and you're not really sure like if this is real or if this is a dream that's one thing that david lynch loves to utilize in his films a lot of sequences that are either dreamlike that feel dreamlike but you're not sure whether they're real or not and uh he uses that a lot if i'm not mistaken in uh twin peaks i haven't seen i haven't seen twin peaks i've been meaning to but it has that kind of feel where there's a yeah 
Right, and there's a character who dies, and the story is b basically set on who killed this put this um this individual. But uh, I did see Mulholland Drive, which came out in 2001, which is arguably one of my favorite David Lynch movies of all time. And uh, it's set in, in, in Los Angeles, has a neo-noir vibe. And what's, you know, what made that film work is, what made it so special is that it starts off one way. You're seeing a bunch of different characters and you're hoping that, okay, at some point in time you're going to understand why these characters are here and why they exist in this film and what, what their purpose is. And then the story takes a complete 180 and then it turns out to be something totally different. And like all true characters kind of pay and go scenarios come and go and you're wondering, is this some kind of like fever dream that you're seeing here or is it just like a bunch of ideas put together? But it, what makes it so great is that it all flows well. It all comes together. And I can say that much for, for, true for season two of True Detective. Like there are moments, there are scenarios that kind of came like just... It just came out of left field. Like I wasn't sure exactly. I I, I didn't. I wasn't. Ex I didn't expect it to happen. But when it does, it's like you know. Oh shit! You know. Like there's one scene I believe is in episode four where there's a really really intense shootout that takes place in daylight. Very brutal. Very intense. And it just came out of nowhere. Like at first I thought it's just a simple murder mystery. And all of a sudden, Rachel McAdams and Colin Farrell are Taylor Kitchen in the middle of this shootout in the middle of the day, and people are getting kill like riddled with bullets and whatnot like wait what you know <laughs> um yeah and then there's another uh, um scene in particular which involves Rachel McAdams and a orgy scene well not that explicit but you know it's an orgy scene and it kind of comes off really like dreamlike you know like like yeah oh okay okay well, well I'll, I'll, I'll stop with these spoilers there but yeah those scenes in particular really struck me Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the one thing for me, the the, the drawback for me, is that uh, the the tone itself, like I understand that it's trying to be neo noir, but it just feels a little too bleak at times. Like you know, car characters always speaking a sort of hoarse, sort of whispered kind of tone. They always kind of dreary. They're tired. They're like, you know, there has that kind of vibe that there's there's little to no joy or happiness or humor. It's just it's kind of down kind of tune, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like it's like it, like you're seeing it right in front of you and it's like you, you look underneath and it's 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 hell. And that's another staple of uh, the Valinch movies. Like you see things that seem to be that appear ordinary when you look closer, it's it's really frightening, it's really disturbing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, well, for me, I would, I would give it, uh, I was I was kind of struggling between a three and a half out of five or four, but for me I would give it a strong three and a half out of five, which is uh, for me worth checking out. Um, I would I would say it's not a show to really rush into to see like you know it's a matter of life and death you have to see it before the, you know December thirty first, twenty fifteen. But it is a decent follow up to a, a, a superior season, 
Um, it's not like like Ricardo says, not as great as the first one. They try new things. It's a new story, new characters, new ideas. So once you go into it like that, then yeah. Yeah, uh, but one thing though, I would say you have to be very patient with it. I'm not sure if you could binge it. I haven't done it, but if you want to, you could try it out. Maybe you might enjoy it a lot more, but you know. Well, I watched like a few episodes, a couple episodes at a time. Um, well, the last two episodes I watched last night before this uh, recording. So, you know. Um, but other than that, yeah. Um, I would say like it's not the best season. It's not the best show you'll see. But for those with an open mind, for those who are patient enough, for those who just want to see something a little different, a little new, uh, I say check this out. And uh, also one more thing we forgot to mention, the team song. Because uh, a lot of people were, were, were griping about the team song. Yeah, but I, but I believe it's the same singer. Yeah, sing. It, wait, wait, wait. It's, it's, it's not a new song? Because this new song here for season two, um, never mind. That's not the same thing from last season. Okay. Oh, yes, that, that that's true. The last few episodes, it was like a... Like you hear that different verse, uh, the chorus was altered as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it has to do with like certain events. Like after the shootout in particular, I noticed that the theme song altered, you know, and like after that, OG Cena mentioned it altered again. So like, you know, it's wrapping up. So it's, it's giving you a different meaning, you know, to what's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah but but i actually dig the song i like yeah that that chorus knocks name of it is never mind and it just has that i don't know like every time i hear it my head just nods and the the guy who who, who sung the, the the first one has this kind of like low voice so he's like you know never mind never mind yeah <laughs> yeah and it, and it and it knocks it really knocks you know Uh, you, alright. Well, you can find my online stuff, as in my previous reviews, TV show reviews, music reviews, movie reviews on uh, legallyblack.wordpress.com. You could also look up for that on uh, Facebook. Just type in a legally black blog official fan page. And if you have any comments or any um, any any thoughts you want to share on on this podcast here and on my previous reviews, feel free to do so. Uh, you could find me on Facebook. Just type in Machi Bailey. You could find me on Twitter. Type in Machi Bailey as well too. Uh, Ricardo, where where can we find you online? No, it's not.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie, uh, yeah, the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Check out season two of of True Detective, and yeah, uh, we'll we'll be right back after these uh, after a word from our sponsors. <laughs> Second session of the West Coast edition of Bears Beats and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here, actually. I actually listened last night before we did this here. Yeah, that, that was in the Street Outta Compton movie as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
lot, lots of 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 guests. Um, but well, Snoop was in it. Exhibit made an appearance. Ice Cube made an appearance. Eminem made an appearance. I'll get into that Eminem verse in a, in a while as well too. Uh, um, I don't think so. No, I'm. I no. He he wasn't it. He wasn't it. No. Yeah, for the, for the longest while, for the longest while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you bastard. Five dollars, okay. <laughs> On my own too. Don't think it's coming out until probably. I, I don't think I'm gonna delete it until probably next 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 year when you know Carnival comes around and I started getting um, bombarded with with soca tunes and I had to had to revert back to to soca or something like that. But for now, it's gonna be in my case. It's gonna be on my phone from now up until December thirty first. You know. Alright, um, well before I get into my opinion of the album um, I'm going to try something a little different here I'm, um, it's, it's actually like a more or less like a vocal version of how I do my album reviews How I did my album reviews before on my, on my blog Which is where I would give like a brief little history of uh, the artists and the album History behind the album and then go like a little track by track review of course, in this case, because it's a podcast, I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about a particular album or sorry, a particular uh, verse or a particular song or whatever. I'm just gonna see, just just notes that I, that I took down. Just gonna just more or less gonna say my, my express my thoughts on each track, right? So, uh, Dr. Dre, right? Uh, phenomenal hip hop music producer. He's been in the game for roughly 30 years. He started off with the NWA, and then after some falling out, he left and uh, he joined with Death Row Records um, owner Suge Knight. Um, during that, during those uh, couple of years, which is like 91, 92, he brought out uh, the Chronic, which is his first, his debut album. Um, arguably, one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. One of my favorite albums, period, of all time. Uh, it gave birth to like Snoop Dogg, RDX, Lady of Rage, Neat Dogg, Warren G, Corrupt. A lot of West Coast artists, more or less, got their time to shine on that album. Uh, it helped revolutionize gangster, gangster rap. So it took it out from that sort of grimy, sort of hardcore kind of vibe that um, the NWA more or less popularized in the late 80s, early 90s, and then more or less incorporated a G Funk kind of song, which is they took the more or less the funk sounds of uh, uh, the group Parliament, G um, synths, a lot of synthesizer music as well too, and more, more or less fused it into these sort of hardcore rhymes about drinking, smoking, sex, fucking all kind of shit, right? And uh, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was a it was a huge departure from from that <laughs> that for the workers where uh, wrecking crew where he started off, which was mostly like electro music, you know. And a few, well, not a few, but some years later, after some collaborations, he brought out a second album in 1999 called 2001, which, believe it or not, which, despite the title, did not come out in 2001. It came out in 1999, folks, so remember that. Uh, we got bangers such as Still Diary. That instrumental is epic. It still holds up to this day. Um, Forget About Dre featuring um, Eminem. We had Explosive, really great track as well, too, which features Nate Dog, Corrupt, other individuals. Uh, what else was it in? The next episode? My God. <laughs> the next episode, yeah. Uh, please tell me you have the instrumental CD to this. Yeah, yeah, the instrumental CD. Yeah. But you need to get it if you do. Yeah, chronic, right. Right. Um, well, first five, I think, well, they had Let Me Ride, of course, which was a great song. Uh, that would be, um, either the fourth or the fifth track, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, every track was. Um, well, well, I would say I, I actually um, I'm like the opposite because I, I actually preferred the Chronic more than 2001. <gasps> I know, I know, I know. A lot of people will, will fight me now and say no, 2001 is great. But I mean, I love the production on 2001. It was it was more forward thinking. It wasn't that G Funk's um, style that you would have expected Dre to do. You know, the pianos, the synthesizers. He incorporated a lot more instruments, a lot more. He, he experimented a lot with it. You know, and. I mean, there were enough songs to make your head nod and stuff, and that's fine. Um, just sort of thematically, it was kind of like all over the place. So, you know, you had your, your braggadocious tracks. You had the tracks where, you know, more or less Dre was talking about his position in the rap game. And then afterwards, you would get like a sex song. You would get like uh, a party song. You would get some song about, <laughs> you know, murdering people and stuff. But, you know, it, but not like you know telling people to go out there and kill people but just more or less just fitting that whole sort of west coast kind of vibe you know um so i i just felt to, to, to me it just felt a little inconsistent but luckily the production held it so it was entertaining from from beginning to end for me so yeah i enjoy it just not as much as i did with with uh with chronic in my honest opinion right so afterwards um dre got into more or less producing for eminem uh, and the same year when 2001 came out, uh, M brought out his first album under uh, under Dre's record label, Aftermath, which was the Slim Shady LP. Followed that up with the 
controversial Martial Matters LP. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, the sophomore course, yeah. No, well, well, you mean a solo artist? Yeah. Yeah, because I know, like, like groups, like a tribe called Quest broke it. Um, NW actually broke it with the uh, Street Out of Compton, because actually, Street Out of Compton was there. Well, technically, the second, because the first one was called NW and the Pussy. Had more other collaborations as well too, but um, she will come to this like their their real official album, but still the second. But go on. Yeah. Um. Tupac, I guess with uh, uh what did he bring out? He, he brought out uh strictly for my niggas, which is N well, N I G G E Z, you know, capital letters there. I think that sort of broke it from the Tupacalypse Now debut that he brought out, if I'm not mistaken. But re- I, I do agree with you, yes. Marshall Matters LP really set it on, on, a, on, a, on a level. Yeah. Yeah, and he had those like, real crazy, kind of cartoonish, over-the-top violent lyrics. Yeah, yeah, and 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 what? Um, two thousand, two thousand, yeah, two thousand came on, and and what made it really interesting is that is where, I mean, the the, the title of it all, Martial Matters LP. Cause, you know, when the first album came out, people were kind of warning, you know, do you really do all that shit that you say in the, you know? But this one, he made it more complex, where it's like more of Martial Matters, more of his personality, more of his pursuit, uh, more of his you know, mindset came out and then it really sort of made you wonder if he really, if, if he really means what he's saying, you know, if he, when he talks about killing a man, is it really martial matters talking about killing a man, you know? <laughs> Sweet 16, then you heard martial matters. Oh God. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kim was 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 something we would. I was me and my friends were talking about in in secondary school. We were, we were freaked out by it, you know. It's like one of those songs, like, dog, are they hear this or they hear this listening to stuff. Dog, this real sick us, you know. That was us back in those days, you know. But yeah. Yeah. Yes. Classic shit. Classic shit. Yeah. Very, very complex, very well taught out track as well, you know? Um, Real Slim Shady was on it. Uh, the way I am was on it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Eight Mile came out in, in 2002. Also, one of my favorite movies of all time, hands down. One of my favorite rap movies as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but he was he was more he was more reggae though. He was more reggae. Yeah, he was reggae. Well, he he incorporated rap. You, you see that? Cause it was around that time where reggae and well more dancehall and hip hop were were fusing together a lot. So he joined. He jumped on that bandwagon as well. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ask your parents or go on YouTube, type in Jim Carrey, Snow Informer. It's it's epic. It's hilarious. Imposter. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. Yeah. But I guess it's because there's a white guy singing reggae or dancehall, you know? It's like, what? You know? Yeah, but, well, we, we strain, right? So, just just around things up in, in terms of the whole Dr. Dre history. Right, so, um, he's, so more or less, he helped out with, uh, with 50 Cent's first album, Get Rich or Die Trying, back in 2003. Great album as well, too. Literally every track from top to bottom was, you know... Yeah, you need more common and talent quality and stuff. Yeah. Most deaf. Great, right? Yes, yes, the blast, yeah. 2001, but yeah, but anyway, yeah. Yes, yes. Patiently waiting. What up, gangster? In the club. 21 questions. Which was a really great kind of hip-hop R&B track with Neat Dog as well, too. Yeah. Yeah, PMP was there. Yes, that... Which... Ah, I don't know. It just plays in my head right now. It just, it just feels so, so smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I always wondered if like some, like some pan side, like param. I just up and just say, fuck it. Let me just do PIP. Blip, 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 blip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, Eminem. Also, yeah. Well, also too. Uh. More or less, right, well, Dre more or less uh, taught Eminem the art of production as well, too. So Eminem brought in a lot of, um, he, he loved, he, he took, like, the violins that, you know, Dre, well, Dre was really great with pianos, but M, for some reason, just loved violins and us. So mostly, like, a lot of Eminem stuff, like, right after uh, Marsha Matos LP incorporated a lot of violins into it, too. So, you know, that's, that's in part to... Uh, to to Dre's influence, you know, yeah. Um, 
And what else? Uh, oh, yes. And in 2004, um, Game, The Game, well, he was called The Game back then, came out with the documentary. Um, Dre's influence was in it as well, too, with... Uh... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, without which was a which was a Kanye West produced track as well too. He had, yeah, they had different producers as well. But Dre did this is how we do, great track fifty on it, spitting bars as well too. And um, there was a little falling out afterwards between Game and Dre, so um, I I think that Game left and did his own thing, and then the Doctor's Advocate came out, which more or less was like Game trying to like him wanting to be like uh wanted to be under Dre's wing, but you know politics and all that he got out of it and you know it's like he still he still kind of idolizes Dre but he still wants to do his own thing but long story short game is where he is he's established um <laughs> that reminds me like a, a couple days ago um on like I, I was I, like I don't normally watch VH1 but my sister does and uh apparently there's a new TV show with 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 the game on it yeah, where he has like these different girls, he's trying to find like the right girl for him. Like his baby mother more or less ran out on him. So like now yeah, so now yeah, this detail show I'm like Dude, come on, come on, Jed. But yeah, but long story short, just getting back to, to what we're talking about here with, with um with Dre and stuff. I mean there's just there's just lots of stuff to talk about with Dre. So, you know, um there, there's too much to mention. But um Compton, well his third album here, which came out a few weeks ago. Uh, this is his third and apparently his final album. It's his first album in 16 years. Last one being 2001, back in 1999. Don't let the, the, the years confuse you, but it's 16 years. Um, originally, he was supposed to come out an album called Detox. Um, it was announced around the time when, um, I think it was around 2004, 2005. And I remember there was one track off of Eminem's fourth album, Encore. Where he mentioned, which was a Dr. J produced track, and he said that, don't worry about that detox album, it's coming. And we were waiting, and we were waiting, and we were waiting, and we were waiting. And a few tracks came out. Well, uh, one track called Kush, a really great song from Dre came out. And we thought, I believe it came out in 2009 or 2010, and we were on the impression, yes, it's coming then, because Kush is out. And then, no, it wasn't coming out. Then we got I Need a Doctor, which had some of M's sort of production influence. M loves this sort of cinematic kind of dramatic, melodramatic kind of vibe with his music as well too. A lot of violence as well too. Um, and we assume, yes, it was coming out. I Need a Doctor is going to be on Detox. Okay, fine. It wasn't a great song, but all right, it's going to be there. Detox is out. That's what matters. It's coming out. Still nothing. And then, you know, we got word of the Street Out of Compton movie. We saw the trailer for it. We were like, okay, yes, we like this, but still no detox. All right, man busy. All right. He has his Beats headphones. I have my, my criticism of it. I'm not a fan of Beats headphones. You know, classic shit. Breaks a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah. Right. Right. So, about a few, about two weeks ago, news came out. Well, actually, uh, a, a, a photo of the album cover for Compton came out. I saw it. Name of it was uh, Com um, Compton, a soundtrack by Dr. Dre. And first thing, yeah, first thing we thought it was like an actual soundtrack for the movie. But actually, what it is, is, uh, is more or less like his tribute more or less to the town that he was born in. He was born and raised in. The town that he, he helped put on the map, you know. 
and the town that you know more or less is is the focus the center of the movie itself um but as ricardo mentioned there is uh well there are a couple of tracks that show up on the movie one in particular being the final track talking to my diary um but i'll get into that later so what i'm gonna do now i'm just gonna do like a quick little rundown as to the the track listing the um artists involved and what i thought about it right so starts off with intro which is a really kind of grand sort of cinematic kind of vibe it more or less um sets up the tone of the album so more or less gives you a little rundown of the history of compton and then it ends more or less with the announcer it sounds like a news report actually so the announcer is talking about like you know um ever since people started coming to compton as times changed crime started to, to yeah yeah crime started um was on the on the rise you know and then we go into uh the second track which is well the first song called talk about it which features king mez and justice justice does the vocal chorus i never heard of king mez before up until this album release but um he is a very decent rapper from the few tracks that he's on yes he's on a few other tracks on the album um and yes like 2001 and chronic before this album is chock full of uh well not cameos really sorry more guest performers as well too right um so more or less and talk about it dre is talking about you know um his rise into the game and how he's still influential how he's been influential in rap game for years there's one track there's one line that i love a verse where he says um I remember selling instrumentals off my beeper. Nigga, never for the headphones or the speakers. I was getting money off the internet. Still got Eminem checks I ain't open yet. And that just tells you how much how 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 much years of hard work he put into the game, you know, and that was very impressive, you know. Um one thing that was very interesting on this track and other tracks where Dre raps, well pretty much he raps all throughout the album, is that um he uh they're mostly ghost written lyrics and i know we talked about you know ghost writing with the whole drake and meek mill beef but you know it's Drake. you know the man the man's a legend right so don't knock him down for having other people write his shit he delivers it well um i know it's not a detriment to his um to his skills or anything like that you know he just knows good raps when he hears them or when he when he recites them you know um but he he uses a lot of different vocal styles a lot of different cadences it's similar to like how kendrick lamar does um on his albums more particularly like to pippa butterfly which came out this year where he would rap in different speeds different styles and whatnot right um also too there's a lot of trap produced um instrument um uh music production here it starts off with talk about it it has that sort of trap vibe that sort of head nodding kind of vibe you feel you know you know it it sounds like something that you would hear on the radio but it just has more of that sort of cinematic vibe and more of the dre influence that we've come to expect from an album you know what we what we've always wanted to hear for the longest while all right um what else so the third track uh we have genocide which is one of my favorite tracks of the album we have a fantastic chorus from uh marcia ambrosius from the group fluidry Ask your parents about it. <laughs> Ask your parents about them. I really wish they, they come back together. Great duo from uh, from England. They had an R&B, hip-hop fusion. But Marsha more or less broke out and decided to do her own thing. She collaborated with Dre a few times, and she's on this album quite a lot in on, um, on it as well. All right. Uh, the, the production is 
rather off kilter, rather unorthodox. But I still like it. What I mean unorthodox in the sense of like it's going one way and then there's lots of like shifts in tones and whatnot in terms of the tone of it. So Alright, so so pretty much, um, yes, and, and and Marsha's chorus is catchy as hell. So Dre has this new, this different style of wordplay here, um, and Kendrick Lamar's on it as well too. He he kills it on the final verse as well. Yeah, so uh, more or less, they're just talking about just the state of affairs in Compton. Just it's not an easy place to live in. People die every day. This is just the reality. They're not making this up. This is real shit, right? Uh, so the next track, it's all on me. Really great laid back track. Um, I love the sort of um, soul vibe of it. It features Justice and uh, BJ, the Chicago kid. BJ being a R and B performer as well. He appeared. He, he appeared on a number of uh, great rap tracks over the fa- over the past few years. And this one, he delivers a fantastic, fantastic chorus. Um, on this track, Dre more or less reflects on his early beginnings of his career, the ups and downs, more or less talk about where he started with NWA and ended off where he got signed to death row. It kind of leaves it there, kind of hanging like, you know, was this a great decision and, and whatnot. And that's one of the themes that he touches on, you know, decisions that he made all through his life um, in his career and were they all worth it in the end or, you know, that kind of stuff. Next track, uh, All in a Day's Work which features Marsha and Brocious again and also a guy that I never heard of called um, Anderson Pack. I believe he's a, a signee to, to the Aftermath record label right and Dre Wallace is just talking about his work ethic because he's, he's legendary for, for this sort of hard working ethic in the game he's always constantly working on beats on production on styles and sounds and whatnot. so he's just talking about you know just get on your grind do your work you know if you want to be great or you want to be greater do your work right um, despite the pressure, despite the criticism, despite the haters and whatnot, um, Anderson has this sort of like rap, sort of vocalizing kind of vibes. Like he raps and then he would sing at, as well. At times, it kind of is a little hard to, to get used to. He said, he, at first, he kind of came up like a sort of West Coast version of a of a Lil Wayne, that kind of sing songy kind of style. But I got used to it because uh, he has this really kind of wild, kind of amped up kind of way. Like he's he's a hype man in the, in the, in his in his track. Uh, also too there's a there's a lovely little bridge in between where you hear like a little chain gang kind of scenario so you're hearing like chains you're hearing like pitchforks going into ground and uh, into the ground more like well not pitchforks sorry like shovels so more or less he's creating this sort of scenario where he's in a chain gang and he's working and they're singing this little melody of kind of him like you know gotta go to work gotta go to work that kind of vibe now you know it, it was a great touch to that to that um to that track and I loved it as well uh, next track, which is called Dark Side Gone, features King Mez again, Marsha on the hook, and Kendrick as well too. Uh, starts off with this really dark sort of electric guitar-driven beat. Andre is just talking about being in game for 30 years, you know, which is very impressive by any standard. And then he mentions Easy E. He just shouts him out in the, in the verse, and then it just sort of calms down. And then you hear like a, a little vocal sample from Easy from one of his previous tracks easy of course being one of the members of nwa who died in 1995 due to uh hiv right um and then we get this really nice uh laid back sort of g-funk kind of style Marsha does this great chorus as well kendrick more or less talks about um where he is now in the rap game you know the the fame and acclaim he got 
from his previous albums, more particularly with To Pimp a Butterfly, which really put him at the highest that he's ever been in his career right now. We're just talking about, you know, I'm here right now, but I know that, yeah, people still hate on me. People still kind of think that I'm shit or people just don't really get me. But, you know, whatever. I, I worked hard. This is where I'm at right now, you know? Uh, next track, Loose Cannons. Very interesting track. Uh, features exhibit uh, Cole 187M from uh, the underrated rap group Above the Law, which came out right after NWA. Came out like in the early 90s. And Sly Piper. I'm not sure who he is, but uh, he's in the, in the he's in the um the he's on the album, yeah. So on the first verse, because there's a uh, there's a couple beat change ups as well. So Dre talks about like um uh he's just talking about the more or less kind of like talking about where he is right now, just like this sort of threatening like more braggadocia on this track. Um, and the first verse has this really kind of like 70s sort of soul influence kind of beat. And uh, Cool 187 comes in with a second verse, and then the beat started to get more intense, and he sort of matches that intensity as well. And then Exhibit comes in, and what was really interesting with that is that uh, uh, on the intro track to 2001, there was a more or less a sound effect that they used the hydraulics of the cars, you know, that hydraulic thing that they love to do in West Coast, you know, where the car just goes up and down. So that sound effect more or less introduces Exhibit into this track here. And the funny thing is, like, I was, I was reminded of the intro to 2001 and also a really great track that Exhibit ba- did back in the days called Front to Back, which used that hydraulic sound as well, too. And he comes in, he's, he's great, he's decent. Not standout, but he's, he's decent. And then we have this very interesting, like, final verse. Um, I think it's from Cole 187 or Sly Pepper. I'm not sure which one. But it has this really kind of Kim vibe to it where he gets really all psychotic and he's just talking about he can't take it anymore and he's talking about like wanting to shoot himself and then his girlfriend or wife is trying to trying to stop him and then she gets shot and then there's this little outro skit where he and another guy is burying her and it really felt like that sort of dark kind of vibe that um that eminem had on his martial matters lp you know so i don't know if the idea is to kind of remind people that this is what Dre did musically but I'm not sure. It's really open to interpretation. All right. So we're halfway done. Don't worry, guys. All right. Um, so next track is uh, Issues, which features Ice Cube, former NWA member as well, too. Arguably one of the best rappers in uh, NWA, hands down. And Anderson Pack comes in as well, too. So Anderson does that whole wild sort of hyped up sort of raps as well, too. And Ice Cube delivers some really grimy gangster shit vocals as well as as well. You know, like you'll listen to it and you will just forget that this guy was in a movie called Ride Along and um, Where Are We Now and those kind of... I mean, he's doing his thing with film and that's great as well too, but little kids remember back in the days before he did all that stuff, he sung some really gangster shit. So he reminds us about that on this track, right? Um, there's a nice use of sound effects near the end with uh, pigeons, police sirens, and gunshots. So more or less kind of like shape in this picture of this is what Compton is right now. This is the town where I'm from. So yeah, we hear police sirens all the time. We hear gunshots all the time. But hey, this is home, all right? Um, we, then we go into a track called Deep Water, which is one of my probably my favorite track on the entire album. Well, favorite in terms of production and concept. Concept being like uh, the usually theme of water, more particularly like the ocean. Um, and he's just really talking about more more braggadocious lyrics from uh, Dre. 
more talking about I'm better than you, I'm I'm the best in the game, who are you? I'm from Compton, bitch, that kind of vibe now, you know? It's like you step into me, you better be careful because you will drown, you know? And Kendrick comes in with some really animated um, vocals as well too. His delivery as well too, just like in Tabipa Butterfly and other albums he did before, where, you know, his he has this kind of personality, his really kind of hyped up personality as well too. And um, I love the outro as well too, which is like a character. I'm not sure if it's uh, Anderson or if it's uh, or if it's uh, Kendrick. And it's like this guy drawn is like, please help. Oh, and you just hear him like gurgling. And then there's like a fantastic trumpet performance near the end as well too. And then like as the track goes um, comes to an end, it's almost like if the, the trumpet playing is going down deep into the ocean. You know, and you're hearing like the, like the gargling and the bubbles and stuff. So this was like a very, very well produced um, track as well too. Very inventive, very creative as well. Um, the next track, uh, One Shot, One Kill, which is Ricardo's favorite track. Well, one of his favorite tracks. I could come in now, you could talk about it as well, too. Right, so this is like the reunion between Dre and Snoopy, you know, because they, they, they teamed up first of all um, for the track Deep Cover, which was off the movie of the same name, gritty, a really gritty crime drama sign, Lawrence Fishburne. And both of them really come off with that really tough, rowdy kind of gangster vibe as well, too, you know. Um, Dre, sorry, not Dre. Uh, Snoop sounds really hard, really aggressive on it, which is really amazing as well, too. You know, and they really, yeah, yeah. And Dre really, it has this really nice kind of back and forth kind of vibe between it. But um, just uh, just a pause for a bit. Uh, what do you think about the the track? You say you love it, but what? Yeah, and, and also the album he brought out this way. I, I'm not sure if you heard it. It's called Bush. Snoop. Yeah, his album called Bush is a sort of a fusion of funk and R&B. It's it's decent, like a more laid back kind of vibe. It came out early this year, but it's more of a sort of more singing than actual rapping. Really laid back, really clean kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But it's aight. It's aight. It's aight. It's really aight. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and also like the 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 guitar, it has some really sweet sort of guitar licks all through the um all through this track. So I love that. Um, there's a another track what comes after called Just Another Day. A uh, really short track is the shortest, well short in in terms of the song. Yes, yeah, shortest song on the album. Um, I believe it's Game that's on it, and he really brings some really like grimy grimy lyrics as well too. Um. And uh, Asia Bryant, I believe she's the the individual who sings the um, the the hook near the end. And I believe that her section was used in a particular scene in Street Out of Compton, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. But she more or less kind of wraps up the the vibe, which is like, you know, this is another track, which more or less saying this is reality, this is what we live in. Just another day in Compton, so you don't believe it, fine, that's your problem. But this is where we live, so whatever. Um, the next track for the love of money, which I particularly loved. Uh, features Jill Scott and uh, John Connor, which is another John Connor being another aftermath signing as well too. I followed some of his work earlier in the mixtape circuit, but apparently now he signed out to aftermath, so great for him. Uh, he comes in first with a with a decent verse as well. 
Dre comes in more or less um, afterwards, more or less talking about he loves money. You know, he makes money, you know, daily. He loves it, but um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, same here too. Love her first album. Love it. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, f that one had a long walk. A long walk. Love a long walk. Yes. Yeah. Um, what I like too is the, the throwback to uh, the Bone Tugs and Harmony song for the love of money. Uh, which. Bone Tugs and Harmony being a, a rap trio, if I'm not, is a trio or, I had a trio of four guys, I'm, I think it's trio of four guys. Yeah, uh, right, so they came out from uh, Crazy Bone, Lazy Bone, I think Wishbone, was it, and Busy Bone. Yeah, Wishbone was, <laughs> yeah, Wishbone was in it, yeah. Uh, I believe they came out of uh, Oakland. Yeah, they came out of Oakland. Yeah, uh, what, what made them stand out as well, too, is that they had a, a sing-songy kind of f vibe as well, too, but they were fast spitters, like they could rap really fast. And yeah. Yeah, what was amazing about that group, like I always wondered, like how they would ever compose songs, because they would rap really fast and then they would stop and sing. And it all flows so well, so it's like more like a freestyle kind of uh, way they do it, yeah. Yes, yes, firstly, month, classic, classic song, classic shit, yeah. Crosswood, sorry, Crossroads. That's that's the song that really put them into the mainstream as well too. Love that track. I don't know about that. Yeah. Oh, he still is. Okay. Yes. You still watch that every once in a while. I, I would admit, yes, I did. Haha. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of v music videos set in strip clubs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, also, additionally, um, Easy E, more or less found. Um, he discovered the group actually. Um, the well, he he was featured on a few of the albums. He helped really put them into the mainstream. And then after he died in '95, they more or less had to find their own way. And um, also, I have to mention the Crossroads is dedicated to Easy as well too, in his memory. Uh, more or less, just you know about people that you lose, friends, loved ones that die unexpectedly, you know, and that song is dedicated to him and to people that they they missed. So more or less, for the love of money, uh, fantastic chorus from um, Jill Scott as well too. And what I like is that yes, it's all about money, and it more or less glamorizes making money as well too. But really, like we all need it, but it's how do we get it, you know? So that's why she says, "I need that root of all evil," you know. It's are you going to make money legitimately or nuts, you know? But the, the, at the end of the day, we all need it. It's just how do you earn it, you know? Do you earn it 
selling drugs or the unit in the studio making records and whatnot, yeah. right? So great track. Uh, follow that up with uh, Satisfiction. Satisfiction. Or Saddest Fiction, as they pronounce it on the, on the track. Uh, features Snoop Dogg, King Mez, and Marsha uh, Ambrosius, who brings another great uh, chorus as well, too. Um, the chorus took a little while for me to get into, it sounded a little auto-tune. Um, but the more I listened to it, I was like, yeah, I dig this. I dig this already. Dig the chorus, and it makes sense. And there's also this sort of weird sort of male vocal sample that goes on throughout the, the track. Some sort of... And I'm like... What? But the more the song, the more the more I got into the song, the more it's it it's it it felt like it was part of it. It felt like it was part of a whole. It didn't feel out of place. I'm more or less on that track. Uh, Dre and Snoop and uh, King Mess talk about fake rappers. Talk about those guys who talk about, you know, I have all this money, I have all this, all these bitches, all these cars and whatnot. But it's all a facade. It's all an image. In in reality, they don't have these cars. They don't have these mansions. They don't have these girls. You know, it's all a, it's all this facade that you see on TV or yeah. on 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 social media. You know, it's all, and you know, it's more or less like these three rappers kind of comparing themselves. Like, I have more than you. So who are you coming out and saying you have more than me? You know, whatever. But um, yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, Rich Gang and everyone's favorite Young Tug. Blah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's remember to mention. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, um, see, before being a, a a movie that came out in '93, it was more or less uh, a, a parody of the NWA, their history. Um, Chris Rock, by the way, being a a a, a huge, huge, huge fan of NWA. Uh, right uh, currently Straight Outta Compton is arguably his favorite album of all time there's a list that he put out of favorite hip hop albums that's number one on the list so more or less he grew up on the, the, the group he was influenced by them he brought out a movie called CB4 where him and two other guys more or less impersonated some thugs that ran a, a, a hip hop club and so those thugs got arrested so they took their, their identities so Chris Rock became um, uh, MC Gusto um, his friend call call himself Dead Mike, and the DJ call himself Star Master Arson, and more or less the same team of satisfaction was what CB4 is about. Is these guys who never fired a gun in their life, playing t- playing hardcore. They they're trying to live up to this image, but they're not. They're soft. They're weak, you know. And that's just the reality of how rap is today. You know, it's all about image and bragging and boasting, but you can't live up to those brags and boasts. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, but dude, but seriously, but MC Gusto is a much harder rapper than Young Tug, and he was pretending to be hardcore. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Um. All right. So the the album is almost up, guys. Right. So we have a few more tracks, three more. All right. Animals, another favorite track of mine. It features Anderson Pack. 
so the theme of it more or less is that you know the the media itself doesn't care that people nowadays more particularly black people black well afro-americans are just trying to live their lives you know they're just trying to make the most of what they have but they always seem to be there whenever there's some sort of riot or some shooting or some kind of violent event that takes place and like i i also i was impressed by anderson's verses he was more like talking about like he has a son and he just he just wants to to to, to he wants to be a rapper he, he wants to work hard he just wants to he, he's great at it so that's all he doesn't want any trouble right same thing with dre as well too um and dj premier actually co-produces his track and you hear his influence that sort of boom bap east coast sort of style which i love yeah. i'm a huge 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 fan of dr um dj premier at first like i didn't even know he was in it but then dj premier comes in and he's like dj on the motherfucking track i'm like ah dj premier you know and i just went crazy off of it you know but i but i love this track it has that sort of head nodding kind of vibe to it which literally every dj premier track is guaranteed to make a head nod and honestly if your head does not nod with animals something is wrong with you i'm sorry something is definitely wrong with you so we get to the second and last track, which is Medicine Man. It features uh, Candice Pilly, or Pilly, P-I-L-L-A-Y, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Anderson Pack and Eminem. Um, Candice has this sort of Jenny Aiko sort of chorus. And at first when I heard it, I could have swore it was it was, it was Jenny, but it's not really her. And she's more or less, in the chorus, she's more or less, they, they create this persona, that uh, this scenario that, um, more or less the I Need a Doctor scenario where, Dr. Dre is the doctor that you go to when you want your career saved, you know, he brings it back to life. So Candice is more like, well, if you're really nothing new to bring in, if you're shit, well, I sorry, take two of these and best kill yourself. I don't really care. Go kill yourself. I don't care. I, you, you're, you're just here. You're, you're more or less taking, you're more or less wasting time. You're, 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 you're using up um, Dre's patience as a patient. So just guilt, kill yourself, do whatever the fuck you want to do, whatever, right? Um, Anderson comes in with his uh, sing song kind of vibe, but, you know, it works with this. Um, Dre continues that whole doctor thing where it's like he's, he's fed up of all these patients coming in, begging him for help, and, you know, they really can't help themselves and whatnot. But it's really Eminem that kills this track. Um, dare I say his track is is his his verse is phenomenal. <laughs> um, he he really shut shit down with his verse though, and more or less he's just talking about his rise in the rap game and how ironically it was really not just because of Dre's production on the first and second album, really because of his ethnicity. You know, him being a white rapper was the reason why he got so big. But you know, now he's in it. Now he's he's at a certain spot in the rap game where most rappers, black or otherwise, would like to be in. I know he still has to struggle. He still has to work hard. So in this in this verse, he's more or less talking about why he's still the best, one of the best, if not the best lyricist in the rap game right now. So he proves it here. Arguably his best verse this year. So forget about that phenomenal track that he did for Southpaw. Forget about that. This is the best verse that he did this year, hands down. Best verse on the album, hands down. Right? And then the closing track, Talk To My Diary, which is another one of Ricardo's favorite tracks. Um, it it closes off the album and it closes off well spoiler alert it closes off straight out of the Compton and on it before well before you see views um, on it he it's more introspective Dre is alone on this track um, and he's more or less talking about well you know just looking back at the, the 30 years he's been in the game you know the friends he's had the friends he's lost 
you know, Easy E dying, um, Ice Cube, MC Ren, DJ Yella, which was another member of the group, more or less parting ways with them, and you know, just wanted to see them again, you know. And literally, it's just really him talking to his diary. It's like like he's grateful for where he's at. He's grateful for putting Compton on the map, though. But it's just the sacrifices and the setbacks, and you know, just the bad stuff that went through in his life, you know. So. It really it's, it's a great close of the album it's really a great way as a as a farewell as a signing off to it and you know just it's really like you know where where can he go now in his career you know he more or less shaped west coast hip-hop for 30 years you know for, for, for truly good and bad but will his influence live on we, we even when he passes away you know or will he be able to do more will he be able to to carve out another 10 years in this game you know so he kind of leaves that question open there you know but what, what what are your thoughts on on this final track as i know you love it yeah yeah that music yeah. with with those violins and the trumpet there's a great trumpet solo i think it's the same guy who does the trumpets for uh for deep water he has this really nice jazzy vibe that ends it on a sweet sort of really bittersweet note I, I loved how it ended it off you know yeah yeah well alright well 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 that's just a just a closing off well so for me um, while for me it's it's not I, w- I would say it's not the best Dre album, like when you compare it to like 2001 or um, or, or or Chronic, that's not to say it's his weakest album. But um, what was different about it, and it may turn off some diehard Dre fans, is that he did adapt to certain modern hip hop production, a lot of trap flavored beats on this, and it might kind of turn people off because people kind of like when they listen to the Dre album they expect more sort of progressive more more forward thinking beats you know like listen to still DRE listen to forget about Dre listen to um ain't nothing but jeeting you know those were those were progressive you, you never heard stuff like that before and now he can adapt to, to to modern styles and I I actually like that that was great because it shows that he is up to date he is he can adapt which is great you know well, producers, artists, musicians alike should be able to adapt to to changing times. That that that's that shows just how versatile an artist is, regardless of whether he produces music, sings music, or whatever. Right? Um, there are a lot of ex- uh, a lot of uh, there there are a lot of um, guests on it, but it doesn't it doesn't um, detract from the from the Dre vibe because this is primarily a Dre album. So yes, you hear Kendrick. Yes, you hear. King Mez, yes, you hear Anderson Pack, but this is primarily a, a, a Dre album. He's the director, he's the producer, and you feel it from start to finish. Um, but I would say it is one of the best West Coast albums I've heard this year. For, well, I mean, Tapemba Butterfly is still the best, but I would I would read this as a as a second place. Uh, so for me, just to round things up, I would give this album a four out of five. Check it out as soon as you can. Listen to it. Um, like I say, it's not the greatest album you'll hear this year. And if you were expecting it to be greater, if you were expecting this to be... Like, to me, it has little, little elements of what 
detox should have been like or could have been more particularly with the talkative by diary like i feel like this is what would have closed detox um and yeah i mean 16 years it's not like okay it's, it's, it's not like we have to put compton on this pedestal you know but what i like before before I get to to Eureka, what I like is that if he did keep the title um, detox, it it would have been disappointing. We, we would have felt like, oh gosh, sixteen years, and we wait for this. This is what you give us, nah, man, you know. But I'm glad that it's something new because uh, apparently Dre was dissatisfied with how detox sound like. He scrapped it. He just didn't like it. So um, I'm hoping that that's what that's the truth, you know. As for what it is, Compton is a is a great album from start to finish. Uh, no skippable tracks. You can literally listen to it from uh, forward, from front to back, and enjoy it. Great tracks. Uh, I mean, I love uh, Deep Water. I love uh, Animals. Love Talking to My Diary. Love Genocide. I love those tracks. There are a few that didn't really stand out as much, but it doesn't really detract from the overall enjoyment of the vibe. But still, definitely four to five. Check it out when you get the chance. If you're a Dre fan, if you'll love it. If you're a hip hop fan, you'll love it. If you're a West Coast hip hop fan, you need to listen to this before the the the, the air is up. So, <sighs> so I've said a lot. So, Ricardo, you wanna close things off for me, please? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, just still catching my breath here. It's really hot right now. Um, well, you could catch my other album reviews. I did a few before. I did on the Slim Shady LP as well um, when they had its 15th anniversary. Uh, I believe it was uh, last year. Yeah, last year was the 15th anniversary of it. You know, 15 years since Apple came out here. Uh, so you could find that at legally black, sorry, legallyblack.wordpress.com. Uh, you could find uh, links to my other reviews be it music or movies or TV shows or whatever on uh, my Facebook page which is a legally black blog official fan page or you could also find me on Facebook just type in Machu Bailey or you can find me on Twitter type in Machu Bailey as well too so Ricardo where can we find you? Um, oh yeah, any any closing thoughts on, on Compton? Any last words? Anything? <laughs> God, I mean, I don't want to be the one to just, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, would, would you, would you, would you rate it? No, that's the thing, cause cause both of us listened to it twice, and I was just making notes. So what I just read there was, yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's 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 what I do, man. I I, I love hip hop, you know, hip hop since I don't know nineteen something, nineteen ninety some, you know. <laughs> um, but would you would you say is like a a top ten for you? Like for me, I could see it making him a top ten, not so much top five, but top ten for sure.
Yeah. Alright. Yeah, yeah, this this was really long winded, but it needed to be, right? Um <laughs> now I really want to do more 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 album reviews like this. This is actually my first spoken album review and I'm glad at least one person enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well too. Uh looking forward to many more. Um, and I will see this much, and then we could just close things off and get into the Street Out of Compton review with the next link. Um, 2015 has been a very good year for West Coast rap music in particular. I mean, uh, To Paper Butterfly from Kendrick Lamar, still my favorite album for this year thus far. Uh, we had uh, Earl Sweatshirt's album, I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside, which grew on me. and I, I, I enjoyed the hell of it. I, I quickly see that as a, as a top five for me. Um, the same Snoop Dogg Bush album that I mentioned as well too really interesting change in musical style for Snoop Dogg so no more of the the rapping gangster shit now we have this sort of this funky sort of R&B sort of laid back played during a barbecue or played before you make love kind of vibe you know and it was interesting Um, we also had uh, Tyler the Creator's album Cherry Bomb which was like this really mishmash of different styles as well too, but it's more kind of like optimistic, more like, you know, more forward thinking, more different, more weird, but you know, it was it was a different sound, it was a different style, you know? So I don't know what other West Coast albums are gonna come out this year, but um, yeah, I can't wait to see what else, or listen to what else is gonna come out this year. But speaking of West Coast though, uh, we're gonna get into well right after well once we're done here we're gonna get into our um, review of uh, Straight Outta Compton long awaited Straight Outta Compton yeah does it live up to the hype yes or no so Yes. What's night with my cat on the streets of LA, wondering where the pussy at. Straight player, looking for a hoe, hanging out, rolling in my six four. Sixteen switches for the niggas in my hood. Seventeen shells, so I make it understood. Stay back, lay back, way back in the cut. You come outside, nigga, you're getting fucked up. I done told ya, creep, creep, your best move like Luther Vandross. I'm fucking up the West Coast. I'm right back up in you when you nut. One, two, three, nut from the DRE bus. Straight out of Compton, crazy mother named Dead Mike, going for a long hike. That's from CB4, by the way. Watch that shit. <laughs> what? Ah, very important question, yes, yes. Yes, I agree as well. Yes. See. Yeah, love this movie as well too. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, yeah, it is. Alright, but, uh, but, 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 okay, okay, no problem. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who plays his father. <laughs> Okay, didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah, even right down to facial expressions, you know, that sort of screw face kind of thing that Ice Cube does, yeah. Yeah, that skull, yes, yes, he even got that done. Yeah, not familiar with who he is, but he acted great as well. No shit, really. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Brilliant performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they also come used from other West Coast artists. So Snoop Dogg makes her parents. Tupac makes her parents. Yeah, way way better than that Timothy Maki Tupac from Notorious, which was a great biopic of the late great Notorious B.I.G. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know if, if I don't know if it's if it's me, but he kind of looked a little Hispanic. Maybe he's his skin or whatever, but I don't know. That's how you look. I no, I don't think so. no. He's not he's not short at all to begin with. Yeah, he tall dude. Yes. Yeah, and I like how he kind of play. Yeah, he plays that balance well enough. Yeah, MC Ren, another member of NW. Uh, DJ Yella. Yeah, 
Which would be like, like what, for example? Right. Oh, oh, um, the name of the song, I believe, is the name of the song is Sunshine. I know the name, that's the name. I forgot the name of the artist, but it's been sampled a few times before. Common sampled it, I believe. Dre sampled it before. Is this really like laid back soul? Like, I think it's late 70s sort of vibe. Is more or less those kind of tracks here kind of kick your feet back and sip on some orange juice kind of vibe. But there's a brilliant scene that you know that uh, where we where um. Dre's character is established and he's lying down he's listening to his headphones and that song is playing and like on the ground when he's lying down you see uh, some LPs classic LPs from uh, uh, Sugar Hill Gang Parliament some other yeah right some other groups that were influential in the late 70s and early 80s yeah so that was great they, 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 they show a lot of um, a lot of visual homages to like you know the, the, the music that helped shape gangster rap that helps shape NW's music. Uh, sorry, world class wrecking crew. Yeah. Yeah, like 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 he's on his way to school at some gangbangers stop the bus and literally come inside guns in hand and more or less threaten these little kids like stay in school. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, in, in, in Compton in particular, at that time, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and the idea being is that uh, if you dress a certain way, so if you have like black shirts and, you know, um, LA readers, caps on your, on your, on your, on your head and thing. They would assume instantly that you are gangbanger. If you wear red, or if you if you wear red, you're a blood. If you wear blue, you're a crip. And once you see you, like either just stand up, they talking to your friends, or in a car, they stop you, ha- um, handcuff you, you know, and wanna patch you down and whatnot. They could they assume that you either have guns or drugs on you. Yeah, there was a lot that happened between them. Yeah, 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's true, it's true. And then like they were they were they were great characters, they they they, they you know, they're not noble characters like what he said. They they just they have talent, they have raw talent. It's just a matter of what or yeah, what direction they should go into and if this is the right direction for them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was really interesting too, cause uh, you mean you listen to these to these to these artists, right? You listen to them tell their stories and whatnot. I think yes, they're making their money and they're living the life, man. But you don't see what's going on underneath, and that's what I actually enjoyed about the second half. But um, I I will get into my opinion on that second half in a few minutes. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did, it did in particular, yeah. After these characters, yeah, yeah, it was. And I think it runs for about like close to two and a half hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a pretty long film. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Like, 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 probably, like, like the de- um the the times they spent in death row, Dre, Snoop, Tupac, you know, and I mean, it wasn't easy for 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 either artist as well too under that that death row label, you know. Oh, Mad Men. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, you had, you had. There were, there were artists in the eighties who did talk about like crime and inner city life, but not to that degree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, for me, um, yeah, I, I, I love it as well too. Uh, for me. Well, all right. Well, I was going to go into a little detail as to what the group was about and how influential they are because I know a lot of people, especially young folk, are going to go into this. And like, yeah, I know Dr. Dre. I know Ice Cube because I watched a show at Ice Cube just the other day and I have Beats by Dre headphones yeah. and the plastic kind of giving trouble. Let me put it away my back carefully. Oh, oh, it broke. Ah, ah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but the history behind that group is, is very amazing. I mean, to the naked eye, you might look at them and say, oh, they just promote violence, they promote um, gratuitous sex and rape and whatnot, but it was much, much more than that. It, they, they literally changed the face of, or the sound of rap, more or less. Um, NWA, for those who, 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 um, who are still unclear who was still living on that rock like for the past 30 years stands for niggas with authority that's sorry with attitude sorry with attitude oh my gosh, oh my gosh I, I can't believe I, I, I fucked that up but yeah niggas with attitude yeah right um the members are oh yes 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 yes, yes. That, that that's a line from one of their songs yeah okay <laughs> Yes, we will get to that song in, in a few minutes, guys. Don't worry, right? So the NWA consists of uh, five members. Uh, Easy e who more or less founded the group, more or less. Um, he, he, he did their first track, which was uh, Eight Ball. Sorry, no, not Eight Ball, sorry. Uh, Boys in the Hood. That was their first track. Uh, he came up with the name of the record label, which was Record... I'm uh, sorry, Rootless Records. So they, they formed it. Um, Dr. Dre is the producer uh, And he does vocals as well too Ice Cube Another um, Well, another rapper in the group In my opinion, the best rapper in NWA Hands down um, He wrote most of the songs For um, Street Outta Compton Which was their, um, their, their standout album And there was a kind of falling out between Him and Jerry Heller Over that same fact that he wrote you know, he liked three songs, right? Uh, MC Ren, who was another rapper as well, too. Not as great as uh, as Easy or um, not not as well. He didn't stand out as much as Easy. Easy had this sort of over the top, really dark kind of um, lyricism, like really darkly humorous kind of lyrics. You know, sort of like what Eminem uses at that time. That sort of I don't give a shit kind of vibe. You know, like he he says in Street of Compton. I'll smother your mother and tell her that I love her or something along that line, right? He's that type of person. Like, he just don't give a fuck, right? Um, and the, the one thing that, that was all, that, that kind of um, turned me down with, with the movie is that I find that they should have had more of MC Ren rapping because I, I always felt that MC Ren was an underrated rapper in the group. He was dread, you know? And they, they, they just show him performing one song, well, one verse of a song which was quiet on the set. That's off of the Street Outta Compton album as well, too. But I find, like, on stage, like, you see him there kind of hyping up the crowd, but you should have seen him, like, perform his verse for Street Outta Compton or his verse off of, uh, you know, the 
the iconic song that I will get to into in in, in just a minute, right? So, and uh, there was DJ Yella, the last guy, the guy that nobody remembers, <laughs> but yeah, but he was more or less a DJ in the group. Will will uh will class wrecking crew will class wrecking crew, um I think so if I'm not mistaken he and Dre were part of that group, yeah that um will class were a record crew for for those who don't know as more based on like electro music like at that time around the mid to late eighties electro music was big and they the the NWA members did like electro and even on the last track on Street of Compton there was an electro track called uh, something to dance to. It sounds a little out of place on the album, but I don't know. When you think about the the, the time when it came out, which was in 1988, it kind of works. It was a nice little fun way to, to wrap up the, the album and make it feel really 80s, you know? But it started off with that, but rap was what they were really it, it, um, attracted to. Um, and at that time, East Coast hip-hop was big. You know, we had uh, Keras one we had L Cool J, we had Run DMC. Run DMC being um, the duo that more or less put rap on the on the on the, on the, on the mainstream. So now blacks and whites were, were listening to, to rap because of them, you know. And you know um, the NWA really wanted to bring out a style of their own, and just they 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 just base it off of their everyday life, you know. Um, seeing gangbangers, you know, pass, you know, you know, drive up and down the streets that they live on, being harassed by cops every every once in a while you know and just the whole racial tension that was going on between the white cops and the the black community you know so um they already had their name established nwa had their name established they brought on other artists well collaborators like the doc who brought out a classic album no one could do it better and he's also in this movie as well too um few other acts as well too but really doc was was like the non nwa member that really stood out right and then easy got um got in touch well sorry jerry heller got in touch with uh with easy well just heard about their music about their sound and he wanted to sign them on so they 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 signed a contract and um nwa got studio time and they began to record what would become arguably the greatest album of all time which is straight out of compton um what made that album stand out just just especially like with the first four um first four tracks being straight out of compton and second track which was holding back fuck the police which is pretty self-explanatory is really like ice cube and mc ren and dre and easy yeah mm -hmm. right right It was, yes, yes. Yeah, right right outside the building where they are recording the album. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean the first verse that Ice Cube does on that track alone, you could just feel that 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 anger that he has towards that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then he just goes in and he just writes the lyrics and goes in the booth and just sell a rap. Yeah, go in, go in, do it, do it, Jack. Yeah, rest is history. And it, it holds up today. It is one of my personal favorite NWA songs of all time. Um, whether you like it or not, that's up to you. But I, I, I freaking love this track, right? Um, Gangsta Gangsta is another decent track. And it was interesting how they portrayed it in the movie is that uh, when Ice Cube performs for the first time, that's before they got big, he performs the first verse. So I'm wondering if this was just like probably a track that uh, he wrote before and he just decided to just probably remake it and bring it out for that album. But it was decent. It was a really great verse. Like I say, Ice Cube, one of the best lyricists in that group, hands down. Um, and well, this is not the fourth track, but... Uh, Another track that I, I honestly love called Dope Man. It has this hard, pu- th- this this pounding bass, um, bass beat in the background. This like head nodding type shit right here, you know. And what it is talking about this painting a picture of this is how a dope man, this is how a drug dealer lives his life. And this is how the girl, the girlfriend of a drug dealer lives her life. She would do anything just to get money and just to get drugs from this guy. And those songs really hit the nail in terms of like what rap music was capable of. Of course, Compton praised it. I mean, West Coast praised that group, praised NW, just for that raw sort of hard-hitting lyrics. And of course, the, the beats, the instrumentation, of course. Yeah. But everybody else, well, of course, like White America, I'll put in inverted commas, didn't like that time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the violence against cops and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly, that whole freedom of speech thing, not being able to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Foxy Brown as well too, I remember she was here, she was in Trinidad, sorry. And uh, she performed and she, like, before she even performed, like, she was just, like, telling people to wave, put your middle fingers up in the air and say fuck that side or whatever. And she got in trouble and the police came and more or less just shut the show down, take off the stage, you know? Yes. Need of me, yeah. 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 Um, the thing about Trinidad, we, we always have this kind of thing against using bad language. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's right. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, to let people know it exists and we we we, we don't stand it cuz I mean those those songs 
not really glorifying sorry not not really glorifying <laughs> violence it's just like this is our reality and we want you to know this america wake up yeah yeah he's he's like a journalist he's a he's a ghetto journalist yeah yeah he has to know it he has to breathe it or else it wouldn't feel real Yeah, and complaining about this. Why is why are things so bad over here, man? No, it's somebody who lives in this. Who who, you know, this is his life, his reality. Yeah. Exactly yes, and that's what that's what I loved about it as well too. It 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 showed us that it's more than just the music. It's more than coming up with a beat and coming up with a hook and coming up with some some lyrics. You know, there's more to it. There's business involved. It's not easy. You could do you could put your heart into an album, but you might really reap the rewards either enough or on time. You know, you you might you you might expect like okay, two million copies sold. You want this amount of money. You might you might end up getting less. You know. And yeah, I mean, I, I like. I really was impressed by the way how the film more or less addressed that. Um, it was interesting too in terms of like Ice Cube's side as well too, because uh, like I said before, um, there was a fall now between him and Jerry Heller, and um, well, eventually he left the group. He did his solo work. He formed his own group called the Lynch Mob, Da Lynch Mob, Da Lynch Mob, right? Uh, brought out a great album back in two, um, 1990 called America's Worst, uh, Most Wanted. And, um, well, one thing that was really impressive about the film, too, is that for hip-hop heads like me, and I and I, I am certified, I will see this, not bragging or boasting, I, I know my shit, right? Um, there was one scene where Ice Cube was performing a track, I think it's the first track for that America's Most Wanted album, and in the background you see some guys from uh, Public Enemy. And the thing is that Public Enemy is a DJ, well, their producer... I believe it's Hank Shockley. He more or less handled pr- uh, production for most of the of the of the album. So in other words, Ice Cube, a West Coast rapper, went to New York to perform this album. So it has a more kind of East Coast kind of sound, more of that Public Enemy kind of sound where they would just well, what do you call what do you call it like a wall of sound where you take different sounds, different um, samples from different tracks. Would it be soul or would it be like a like a um, would it be like a speech from some sort of like like a Malcolm X speech or some sort of Black Pride kind of speech? And you'll mix all these things together and create that sort of sound, you know. That's where Fight the Power really came out from. That kind of style of production, and they use it a lot in this uh, first album from um, from Ice Cube. And it was a uh, it was a critical success, of course. And then he followed that up with a Death Certificate, which, in my opinion, is Ice Cube's best best album he got more political he got more controversial he also got into trouble with certain people they accused him of being racist because he said certain things about Jews and South Koreans and whatnot. yeah yes 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 yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 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 Yeah, it's it's like it's like because of time. It's like because of time they just sort of like they would have scenes and you just kinda hint at it. Either hint it or just yeah, include it. Yeah, but it didn't go in depth because of time. Yeah. Um, one thing that they did as well too, uh, they well they didn't go too in depth, unfortunately. But I I would say it's because of like what Ricardo says because of um, Dr. Dre's and Ice Cube's um influence on the film itself is with the the beefs the beef yeah more than one beef sorry between um between the members. Uh, first being with uh, Ice Cube leaving the group. Um, they felt that he was a sellout, so they called him a Benedict Arnold. They did that on the on on NWA's second album, which is called Niggas for Life. And funny, like on the, the, the title of the track, they sort of flipped it backwards. So <laughs> they wouldn't get into any trouble in terms of like, you know, how could you name an album Niggas for Life? But they actually got away with the with the flipped version of the title. Um on and well they didn't really go in depth on that particular album, but that one was one that sparked a lot of controversy with uh with the group in terms of the lyrics. It they were more shocking, more violent. And more misogynistic as well too. The second half of that album is ridiculously misogynistic. It's a very challenging album. Like, like I would say, it, it stands out a lot more than the previous album because of those lyrics. Now, it, it it's really a slightly uncomfortable listen from start to end. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all about shocking. It's all about if, if I shock you a lot more, like Marshall Matters LP. If I shock you this much, you're gonna buy the album just based off of the shock, you know. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um. Yeah, he also did uh, films like the uh, um, he did the Negotiator, really great thriller with Kevin Spacey, Samuel Jackson. Check it out. Yeah, Felicia being this annoying girl that harasses um, Ice Cube's character practically all day. Yeah, it was it was brilliant, really great. Yeah, a lot of, lot of sex, a lot of drinks, a lot of weed, yeah. Yeah, it says, bye, Felicia. <laughs> the script for, for Friday. Yeah. 
Right. Um, but just getting back to, to Ice Cube there for a sec. Um, on the on the second album, Death Certificate, there was a uh, well. What happened? Um, on the before the release of the second, um, NWA album, there was an EP that they brought out called One Hundred Miles and Running, where on the title track they 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 take subtle disses at Ice Cube for more or less bailing out in the group, being a Benedict Arnold. They actually call him a Benedict Arnold on that track, and Ice Cube got wind of it and said, "All right." Went to the boot and did probably one of the most iconic this songs, one of the harshest this songs ever composed in hip hop history. No Vaseline, which, if you use the imagination, is pretty self explanatory. He more or less shits up everybody in the group, including DJ Yella. The DJ, he shits up everybody in the group. And it is epic. It's epic, epic, epic. <laughs> Yeah, he was real pissed. He was real pissed. Yeah, he was. He was just like smiling, and giggling, and like this kind of funny though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, well, I think it's all the context of it then. Okay. He compares straight out of the cup to Tom Alvin. I am going to watch that shit. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, like like me, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and they do make these choices and you understand why, but you still wish that they didn't gloss over them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, me, t- me too. Same here. Um, and it's a good, t- it's a good point that they bring up, right? Because, uh, um, for example, well, as I was about to continue, um, the Easy E, um, there was a falling out between Easy E and uh, uh, and the group as well, and NWA, and he left as well. So there was a period. NWA. Yeah, yeah, there, there was a fall, not between them. It was because of of Jerry's influence over 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 um, over Easy, right? So Easy more or less parted ways and did his own thing. So he made less records official. He didn't have anything to do with NWA anymore. And during the past few years, as in like ninety two to ninety four, there was like a beef, like verbal beef between the two. So Dr. Dre on Chronic 
brought an album called um, brought a track called Dreedy, which was shitting up Easy E and two other um, characters as well too. Well, two other rappers as well too. Um, right. Tim Dog and uh, Luke from Two Life Crew. Yeah, so those two were, were getting this right, but e- e- yeah, Uncle Luke. Yeah, so e- Easy gets this in the first track, then Tim Dog gets this in the second track, and Luke gets this in the third track. And <laughs> Snoop Dogg is on the track, and then there's this infamous kind of like refrain in the end where um, uh, where Snoop says, uh, "Easy E could eat a fit a big fat dick. Easy E, Easy E, Easy E could could eat a big fat dick." I don't know, you know, and they even made a video of it mocking um Easy and it was it was just sad, you know. Um and even this time again in the last track, which was uh Bitches Ain't Shit, the first first that uh that Dre does was more or less a subtle hint at their relationship before and then, you know, um Jerry came coming in and messing up stuff. So it was really like about that, but it was well concealed and stuff, right? So Easy now responded with a very decent diss track called Real Motherfucking G's. Uh, he brought that out on an EP that I believe he brought it out in 94. Really great track as well too. I think it was in the tri- um, the TV spot for Saints Row Tree. Yeah. There's a Saints Row Tree um, TV spot that they had and they played that song and I was like, okay, what? You know? Um, and yeah, but the thing is like based off of what, uh, like, like what Ricardo was saying, you know, um, fans versus the non-fans I felt that they should have touched on the, the verbal beef between the two, at least spent some time on it, you know, they, they, they sort of just skipped it and just jumped into to Dre's relationship with a uh, shoot yeah 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 yeah, if you saw the beef on stage, you would understand why the the, the reconciliation between the two was 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 so hard to do because of that beef that happened before. Yeah. Easy death in '95 due to HIV. Yeah. 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 So the Easy E and Ice Cube, well, they they reconcile in a club in um in in one scene in a later scene in the film. And uh, what was interesting as well too, what I what I liked about that particular scene, like it's one of those kind of. If you would really listen, it probably would have picked it. They they did pay they did pay a homage to East Coast hip hop at that time because it was I mean East Coast hip hop was blowing up. It was getting stronger. It was getting bigger, more well known. So they played a Craig Mack song, uh, "Flip in the Air." Craig Mack being a member of uh, the Bad Boy family at the time, uh, I think he left. I'm not sure what he's up to right now. No, it was the original one. It was the original one. Yeah. Right, and then they played uh, Cream, which was from Wu Tang, who was blowing shit up back in like 1993. So you know, it really showed that yes, East Coast really had, yeah, yeah. It, it was more than West Coast. It was like the West Coast was in a bubble or anything like that. East Coast was blowing up, yeah. Oh, and I also should mention too, um, 
when Chronic came out, attention went further to West Coast. But then as soon as Bad Boy came out with their stuff and Wu-Tang brought their whole kind of grittiness to the table, that's when the paradigm kind of shift back to East Coast and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and see how it happens, how it how it matches up. But I don't know if they will do that, if they will ever decide to do a, like, that kind of Marvel approach. But still, it's like, the fans, the fans might disagree. The the people that participate in the film might disagree. It's like, yo, this is about NWA. Stick to NWA, though, you know. <laughs> but that's funny though. I can't catch where you're coming from with the Marvel Universe analogy here. Yes, yes, please. I think it might get something for like the technical aspects though, like the, the visuals, that's so much the actor. Yeah, I feel they might go for more technical stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, he looked... And acted just like his dad did when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. Nope, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, playing the piano keys. Cause I always assume it was a sample. The synthesizer keys. I always assume it was a sample that they used for that. All right. Well, for me, like I would say, this is one of the best West Coast movies ever. Uh, anything here. Yeah. I mean, I loved Friday, um, F. Gary Gray's movie. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It still remains one of my favorite movies of all time, favorite comedies. And, you know, when I heard that he was on board with this film, I was excited. And to me, this film lived up to the hype. 
it literally felt like a West Coast film. Like you saw the the, the hydraulics, you saw the cars, you saw the girls, you saw you heard the music, you felt the vibe. It felt like that area, that town. It felt like the era. You 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 literally felt like you were there. You know, um, I love the musical choices from NWA tracks like "Fuck the Police," "Street of the Compton," you know, um, "Gangsta Gangsta," that stuff, to other um, tracks as well, to Ice Cube, Easy E. Um, none NWA tracks, you know, stuff like that. I love the soundtrack for this from top to bottom. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, performances were great. Wish I could have seen more MC Ren rapping as well, too. Cause I still find he was a not so much a pivotal figure in, in NWA, but the dude could rap. Um, the actors, the, the acting, the choices in terms of like the who, who portrayed which character was great, was spot on. Um, Shug was a little, little off the off the nose here. A little issue with it. Yeah, and and uh, he just played that kind of tough guy a lot. Yeah, it would have worked. It would have worked. Yeah. Yeah, but there's really with the whole two pack. Yeah, it's really with the whole story with Tupac, especially leading up to his death. That's where we really got to see Shogun in a different light, you know? Right? Wait, wait, wait till he dead, please. Wait till, wait till he dies, knock on wood. Wait till that happens, because there's so much you gotta really address, you know? Yeah. All right. Oakland hat off readers here. Yeah. Um, what else? Why? I I I was in, I was impressed by the editing. Um, as as a hip hop fan, like I I it was, it was amazing seeing these characters like really large in life. Even right down to Shug Knight on the big screen was really large in life to me. It's like these are characters. These are these are people that I've heard about listening on radio um not radio well radio um albums or whatnot now i'm seeing them on the big screen now i'm seeing the um uh dr dre on big uh on the big screen you know it, it was really amazing for me as a a, a fan of hip-hop in general not so much west coast hip-hop right uh visuals were great i loved how they use visuals to really emphasize a certain point without really going too deep into detail about certain things like for example there's a powerful powerful scene with the la riots that occurred in 992 after what happened with uh, uh rodney king and how these four policemen who beat him up you know yeah 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 and that more that also helped shape what um the the style of music uh in terms of like west coast music especially in the chronic there are a few tracks that touch on the la riots about how the people's animosity against you know the the white cops at that time and just the way how in that scene you see ice cube driving through the streets and you're seeing like rioting and whatnot and just the way how they emphasized the chaos and you know there was there was a guy who spray painting fuck the police on a wall and whatnot how they how they express it visually was was powerful you know so great use of visuals great use of music uh a lot of foreshadowing as well in terms of like um the animosity between uh, Easy and Dre, between Dre and Ice Cube, between Easy and Jerry Heller and whatnot. Um, performances were great as well too. Uh, O'Shea Jackson, standout character, standout actor to me. Easy E comes in second place. 
Dre comes into it. I mean, Dre holds his own as well too. But I really felt the performances with Easy and um and Ice Cube as well. Um, pacing was was great as well too. It had a little bumpy parts, especially in the second half. But I loved the flow of it. It was a long film, but at no point in time did I feel the least bit bored. I was I was invested from start to finish. Um, also to the the second half, and I mean I I looked at a lot of reviews. A lot of people didn't really dig the, the second half because the first half was fun. More fun whereas like you saw the genesis of the group, how they came up with ideas and how they had fun on stage even when you were pissing off cops. But on the second half where it got a lot darker, you really got a chance you really got to see how dangerous the rap game was at the time, especially not just from a financial aspect but from the streets, you know. You could disarm on a, on a song and then people that he know, his crew could come and beat you up the next day just for singing that, you know. That was how real it felt, and I felt every moment of that too. Um, I agree with with uh, Ricardo. It could have been a little longer, but I felt that for what they what they with the with the time frame that they had, they worked in a lot. I really wish that they could have touched a little bit more on that Easy and Dr. Dre beef because I felt that you know it would have given the ending well, well uh, Easy E's death a lot more punch to it. You know, Jesse Jesse point that personal. Um, relationships when they go bad could go on wax. They could go and rap about it. You know, it was taking stuff that was affecting them and going to the studio and doing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, his was all like legal and financial stuff. Yeah, but easy is more like, dog, this is the reality of it all. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Paul Giamatti was great too. Didn't expect to see him. But when I heard he was Jerry Heller, I was like, okay, Jerry Heller, right? But he did it. He, he was fantastic as well too. So in the end for me, I would give this a strong four out of five. See this movie, see it as soon as you can. Um, for those who still probably will go in with little to no knowledge of like the group, it would help if you if you listen to their music. You don't have to listen to the entire disco- um, discography. You could listen to, to Straight Outta Compton because it still holds up today. It's still a great album. A little retro, but it still holds up. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 definitely, definitely. Um, also, too, you don't have to be the biggest hip-hop head in the world to enjoy it. There's, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of dy- um, dynamics. Um, it's, it's a very dynamic film, you know? You, will, you won't get bored, believe me. You will be nodding your heads to these songs. You might sing a chorus or two. You might put a middle finger up in the air like I did in Millie Singer and yell, fuck the police. You might do that. Um, if you get offended a lot by the use of the N-word and, you know, fucking all that kind of stuff, you might get turned off. But just remember that this, it's it's not, I mean, it. it's a hip-hop movie, you know? It's not really like glamorizing it that much this is like this is just how it is but don't let that be the reason why you don't want to see don't let the reason that oh it's gangster rap and oh it's so horrible and they talk about violence cops no generally it's a great movie it's music history whether you care about rap music or not it's music history and just the fact that this group from Compton from ghetto changed the face of music forever whether it be with hip hop whether it be with other forms of music involving you know, youth rebellion and whatnot. You know, you know, it's it's a very fascinating film. So even if you're not a f- uh, a a, a hip hop fan, you're gonna enjoy it. You know, so.
for me and, and also to just to close things up i'm not sure how long it's going to be in in theaters because i know like biopics especially like hip-hop films like uh notorious which came on in 2009 i think i didn't think it lasted beyond two two weeks you know yeah i mean universal is on board yeah i mean universal pictures helmed it as well but um I'm not sure how long it's going to be in, in in cinema, but I strongly recommend to see it as soon as you can. I, I hope you, even if you if even if they don't show it in theaters and you happen to hear this this uh, podcast after it it ends its run, uh, wait till it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. Definitely buy this shit. It is worth the buy. It is worth the. It is worth buying. It is worth seeing. Um, I and just uh, just last thing. Right now, currently, I um uh, I see it being one of my top 10 favorite movies of the year it is one of my favorite movies i've seen one of the best movies i've seen this year hands down and i do see it making it a, a top 10 maybe not a top five but definitely a top 10 yeah that that's pretty much it <laughs> yeah really well done all right coming straight out of rima Crazy motherfucker named Machu Bailey. Just type that name. Not crazy motherfucker named Machu Bailey. Just type in Machu Bailey um, on Facebook. You'll find my Facebook page there. Uh, you can find my uh, blog, my official Facebook blog page. If you type in Illegally Black official fan page, you'll see it there. The actual blog itself. Type in legallyblack.wordpress.com. You'll see my previous music reviews, movie reviews, TV show reviews as well. Um. Yeah. Um. And Ricardo, where where can we find you online? Oh yes. Oh yes. YouTube as well too. Because yeah, please subscribe to uh to our links. Yeah, we we put in a lot of work and effort into this. So please share it. Please leave a comment or two. Talk about it. Share it. You know. And listen to it, please. <laughs> yeah. Straight out of Facebook. Yeah, so so this this more or less concludes our special West Coast edition of um of Bears Beats and Billies. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally. Yeah, we talked about the film afterwards, and now we're, and we just shared our thoughts on the film with you guys here. Yes, yes, yes. Hope to do more in the future, guys. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun with the movie. I had a lot of fun with this podcast as well, too. All sections of it. So, yeah. Uh, so, True Detective Season 2. Check that out. Compton listen to it straight out of Compton listen to it L- uh, the, the album listen to it it still holds up uh, straight out of Compton the movie see it as soon as possible so uh, any last closing words before we sign off yeah it was it was don't mind don't mind the weather was real hot but we had lots of fun yeah yeah so um, so before we sign up right so yeah right Yes. 
Yeah, so all, all in due time, you know, things happen. Things takes us, you know, time and for it, whatever, right? So, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. So, before you cut, I just had to see this. Right. So, until next time, Machu Billy, straight out of Rima. Ricardo, straight out of. What, 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 uh, what hood you rap? Rap your hood. Rap your hood. Belly, yeah? Or down south. Right. Straight out of Belly, Ricardo. So, sign out. Till next time. I got my phone, but didn't dig out. Finally got a call from a Cause I got me a drop top And if I hit the switch I can make the ass drop Had to stop at a red light Looking in my mirror Not a jacker in sight And everything is alright I got a beat from Kim And she can do it all night Called up the homies And I'm asking y'all Which part are y'all playing basketball Get me on the court And I'm troubled Last week messed around and got a triple double Freaking brothers every way like MJ I can't believe today was a good day